0: We are, we are blessed as a congregation that each week we have such wonderful talent ministering to us and music. And I appreciate the effort of each one of you. On Wednesday nights, I get to drop in. I hear them. They work hard. And they do it all for the Lord. And we are blessed to receive these wonderful words of encouragement all day and all night. Angels watching over us. What a wonderful reminder in a day such as this, that day by day we can face the day and God gives us strength to serve us. I also want to just say to you as a congregation, thank you for entering in today in praise. There was an exhortation this morning and we as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and as a New Testament church believe God's word especially in the book of Corinthians, where we are told that there are gifts for the church today, gifts that make us stronger individuals, and the Lord uses individuals in exhortation to share with us the message of the the Lord, and we are thankful for that encouragement uh, this morning. We are grateful for each day that, uh, as the church, we can honor God and I know that uh, there have been some that have been ill, there have been some that have uh, gone home to be with the Lord. They've reached, as the choir shared with us, the promised land. Some of you have asked about Goldie Smith, and we have not uh, any arrangements yet on her uh, memorial service and celebration of life. I do want to welcome her brother who is with us this morning, David Donaldson. He is from Washington state of washington by way of southern arizona and david we're sorry that you were here under these conditions but we welcome you today i continue today with my thoughts of restoration we're looking at the book of philippians and we are um, always pleased when we can look at god's word and for those of you that are viewing this morning uh, or whatever time of day you may be watching the service. We welcome you. We are happy that you are with us. Restoration, the thought of restoration, and connected with the book of Philippians, as I read through the book months ago, and it really doesn't take long to read through Philippians, but the thought of restoration came to my mind because I love restoring. As many of you, you have opportunity to restore various items. And you know the feeling that you get when you restore something that even though it may not be complete, it looks new, or it looks newer. The efforts that you put in uh, imparts a new vigor. It revives that object. I suspect one of the reasons why I enjoy restoration, my particular interest is that of automobiles, is because I've learned early in my ministry that you can work with people day in and day out. You can work with people forever, and sometimes you see very little change. Those of you that are in ministry or teachers, or missionaries, you know that. Uh, it takes time for people to change. And there's nothing like cutting your grass and turning around and seeing a completed project. There's nothing like doing a whole stack of dishes and putting them away, and wow, you get the countertops uh, cleared. And there's nothing like taking something old and maybe just waxing it. Maybe just buffing it up. And you look at it and say, whoa, look at that shine. You revive it. You bring it back to to life. And I, I know from reading the book of Philippians that that's what Paul desires of the church in Philippi. He desires and the Lord desires for each one of us to have newness in our life restoration in our soul that uh, our lives can be changed. And as Paul writes this letter to the church, he's encouraging them. He's not scolding them. He's telling them how great they are and how much he appreciates them. in the the key verse is found there in the first chapter of Philippians in the sixth verse. The verse that says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work And you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So the emphasis here is that the master builder continues to work in our lives. Whatever rough time you're going through, whatever personal trauma, whatever void you're experiencing in your heart, God is the master builder and he is walking with us and he is working with us. Let me speak just for a moment on the subject of interruptions. Interruptions are something that we are probably not too fond of. We are living in a time of great interruption right now in our lives. As I was preparing this message uh, uh, several days ago, I had an interruption while I was studying the scripture. My cell phone went off. And thank God for caller ID because I looked at the caller ID And the call was coming in from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Now, I have nothing against any of you or those that may be listening or watching today, if that's your home. It's just that I didn't recognize the call. And perhaps you were trying to get a hold of me. But no one left a message, so I didn't answer it because it was an interruption. And I felt that I did the right thing because a message wasn't left. But we all know what that's like to have that unwelcome interruption in whatever we are doing. Whether it be a salesperson who calls at the dinner hour and you excuse yourself from the table and you take the call. What's your reaction usually when you come back to the table? Now that was just a dumb guy calling me or that was a call that really annoys me. Why would somebody call at this time of night? Your child gets a day off from school. The weather's bad. You don't know what to do. It's an interruption. You complain about it. Your neighbor comes over and wants to talk to you at a very important time when you're doing all kinds of projects and you take some time out and all of a sudden you found out that your morning has been derailed. When we read God's word, we see standards for us, standards. Today we talk about we must be unified and I believe that the church must be unified in this day and age. But we have boundaries, and the unification takes place in scriptural boundaries, not on some idea that we have or some concept we have. We must follow God's word. And nowhere in the scripture do I see Jesus complaining about an interruption. It's interesting that as we look at the text in Mark, the fifth chapter, you find that there's various incidents there where Jesus has been interrupted. Christ is having a conversation with a very large group of people, according to the scripture. And Jairus comes to him, a man who's concerned about his daughter, and he interrupts Jesus. We see another place where uh, there's a lady who has an issue of blood. And she follows Christ. She touches the hem of his garment. The power of our Lord seems to flow out of him in such a way that he can identify with what's going on. An interruption. We see also in the book of Matthew where Christ is teaching and and people show up with their children to the point that the disciples actually rebuke them, said, hey, uh, don't bother the master with the kids. An interruption, but Jesus gives full attention. Today, as I said, it's filled with interruptions. And could it be, could it be That God is using politics, he's using pandemic, not as an interruption, but he's using it as an opportunity for us as Christians, an opportunity to let our light shine. So to start our thoughts today, I want to ask you this question. How do you respond to interruptions? Do you respond to them in a way that they're an annoyance? Uh, And they are sometimes. Or how do you respond to an interruption from your neighbor or the guy who works next to you or the student that sits across from you? Do you respond to it in a way that maybe Jesus would have you respond? Well, today we can look at God's word. We find that there were interruptions in the church in Philippi. And Paul gives some great instructions that I think are relevant to us today. That we as a congregation and those of you that are elsewhere, we can apply to our lives. We look at Philippians, the second chapter, and we start in verse number 12. It's just a short uh, um, set of scriptures where Paul says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence. In other words, he says, I'm giving you credit. Remember, I said he writes as an encouragement. He says, it's really remarkable that you folks are carrying out quite a a godly life. Not just when I'm there, but uh, in my absence it's taken place. And then he says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. Work it out. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. You're an instrument. And God is working, working through you. And then he goes on to say, do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, that you would be children of God without fault in a whopped and crooked world or generation that we live in. And then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I, Paul says, I'll be able to boast about this on the day of Christ that my labor wasn't in vain with you folks. You combine this text with the key text of uh, Philippians in the first chapter, verse number six, which tells us to be patient, that God's not finished with us yet. We find and we can conclude that salvation is both an event and it's also a process. There's a work that continues in each one of us. And thank God for that. That's why we come together. That's why we have Bible studies. We learn God's word and understanding this truth will transform our lives. Paul says to the church at Philippi, continue to work out your salvation. Now, not work for it. Please understand that. That's not what it says. It says work it out. And there's a huge difference. Because we must be determined spiritually if we want to prosper in our Christian walk that we would take this gift of grace from God. And that we would unify ourselves with God. That we must persevere, which is a subject of prayer tonight. Persevere in our efforts to realize full salvation. That we work it out. We cultivate it. We, we bring it bring to, to a full effect. Actively pursue and that we would grow spiritually. There is... Uh, Little in life that's more important than you and I to develop and walk with Jesus Christ. Hanging in there with the Lord, just putting one foot in front of the other to keep on walking with Jesus during the tough times, the rough times. I ask this question, have you failed the Lord lately? And if you have, have you just thrown the towel in? given up, I want to say to you, confess it. Go to the Lord and confess it and get on with your Christian life. Work, you see, work it out. In my restoration um, shop, I've got several automobiles and trucks. And as I walk through there, it's common for anything to sit, a vehicle, that after a while the tires may go down a little bit they may start going a little flat. And when I notice uh, um, deflated tires, I don't junk the car. I don't call the junkyard and tell them to come over and give me cash for junk. What I do, I fix it and I move on with the project. It's the same way in our walk with the Lord. You go through a difficult time, maybe you're having some emotional battles, Maybe spiritually you feel like you're being attacked. Maybe it's a combination of both. You don't give up, you don't just junk out your life, but you move on with the Lord. The scripture tells us, Paul tells us this. Paul says to work out your own salvation. And don't try to be anyone else, by the way, or compare yourself to someone else. When I was in Bible school, I was a new Christian. But one of the things that confused me was that people that I went to school with, I noticed that they tried to be somebody else. We had a whole group that wanted to be quartet singers. I mean, they combed their hair um, like a quartet singer. One guy, he put all kinds of gel on his hair. One night I went to his room late and he answered the door and he had a pair of underpants on his head. His briefs were turned upside down. He was protecting his hair while he was sleeping because he wanted to be a quartet singer. And uh, interesting. And I would look at them, and, and it wasn't Rennie. Rennie and I went to school together. and he doesn't, Rennie doesn't have any hair. Or, or maybe all the gel took it away. I don't know, but uh, <clears throat> I'm glad he sings in the choir. And then there were other people, you know, they wanted to be like Jimmy Swagger. Uh, I remember one guy, he was invited to preach in chapel, and his request before preaching in chapel, we didn't have cordless mics, and he wanted an additional 50 feet of cord put on his microphone so he could work the crowd and get out there. Others wanted to be like Kathryn Kuhlman or Billy Graham. Some could preach, and you could close your eyes, and you'd think it was Billy Graham. For me... I was struggling trying to memorize the Lord's Prayer. Forget about all these people. I didn't know. But you, know, you, you try to be someone else. And it happens today in our adult life that we may read some prophet or we may follow some prophets. And, and we, we want to be like that person and, and imitate them. Well, God has an idea in mind that only you with your personality Can become what he wants you to become. And he needs you being you as a Christian. Just be yourself. Just recently I was taking some Christmas decorations and I threw away one. And what it was, it was a shiny tin, just a tin thing that was cut out like a candy cane. And I thought, I don't need this anymore. Well, after I threw it away, I realized what it was. Somebody had given it to me and it was a cookie. Man, I... I hope um, it wasn't one of you, but it was a cookie cutter. And um, it was a candy cane, and you tied a ribbon on it. Uh, maybe I shouldn't be telling this story right now. But, uh, <laughs> but the point is, is that what you could do is have a consistency with your cookies. You know, you could put this in the dough, and you could cut it out, and you got a cookie that looks like a candy cane. One after another, perfect. Well, God does not have cookie-cutter Christians. He wants to use you the way you are. We're all different. We have different likes. We have different dislikes. And God loves diversity. And he's made us in such a way. But we must walk our own road, not try to imitate anyone else. And we must work out our salvation. Now, I want to give caution to this remark Because this does not mean you can live any way you want. It doesn't mean you can just follow your own code of ethics. God has given us boundaries. And he's given us instructions that we should live by. And one of the instructions we find right in our text this morning is that we should be individuals that do everything without grumbling and without arguing. That's what Paul told the church in Philippi. I heard about a woman that uh, her husband grumbled about everything. Here again, not here in this congregation. And uh, she just could not seem to please her husband no matter what she attempted to do. And one day she decided on that day she was going to do anything that he asked her. He was... With God's help, I'm going to try to do my best to please him. Well, when he came down for breakfast, he asked for eggs. She asked him, well, how would you like your eggs? He said, well, I want two of them. I want one scrambled. I'd like to have one fried. So she scrambled one egg, and she fried the other, and she put the breakfast on the table in front of her husband, and he just stared at it. he had a big frown on his face she said to him well now what's what's the matter she asked you told me to fry one and scramble the other and that's exactly what i did to which he grumbled you fried the wrong egg now that long-suffering wife she gave her husband a chance to shine like a star Gave him a chance to to redeem himself, but he'd have no part of it. And some folks are just determined to make life miserable. There are some people, they want to make life miserable, and as a result, they make it miserable for themselves and for others. But you know, it doesn't have to be that way. In your thought process today and all the things you're involved in, and today especially, it's easy to frighten yourself to death. It's easy. All you got to do is watch the news. And the scripture here says, work out our salvation. If God is for us, who can be against us, church? If God is with us, cooperate and you'll have no cause to complain. You'll have no cause to gripe, no cause to argue because complaining is not going to happen if we commit our ways to the the Lord, trusting him to be our guide, trusting him to be our guardian, trusting the angels to watch over us day and night. You see, grumblers can be happy if they become Christians and Christ-like and they can maintain the purity in thought. Uh, grumblers can be, as they become Christ-like, their character can change in, in looking for something to commend rather than to find fault with, in, in, in seeking to build up, not to tear down, striving to be fellow believers who unite and not divide. And I want to be honest, I, I experience that when, when, I, when I write my messages I go back and I cut so much out because it wasn't put in with the right attitude. Oh, I, I can say something, and, and I'm very careful, but I could say something where I could get a lot of thumbs ups, a lot of amens, and I could hurt some other people. Or I could, I, I could say something else, and I think it's cool because I know that there will be an agreement to it. But the ultimate is, is this is what God wants you to say? Is this what God wants you to do? That's the test. And I think if we review some of our thoughts and some of the things that that I want to say or I want to do, that I find out, no, that's not what God would have me to do. We Christians have something special to offer those who reside within our circle of friends who reside within our our world in that influence that we have upon them, according to the scripture, according to what Paul says to these people in Philippi, a little ray of sunshine during darkness. Are you offering a ray of sunshine during darkness? Are you offering a glimmer of hope? Are you offering a touch of love? Are you offering a reason to live? It's not so much uh, seeing one another or seeing ourselves display uh, the spirit of Christ that sparks someone to praise God. It is the humbleness that we have in our hearts, sharing a bit of ourselves without grumbling about it and complaining, as the scripture says. What a powerful influence for good Paul is sharing with them. It's humble acts of service that we give to others in the love of Jesus Christ that changes lives. What a positive impact for the cause of Christ. I believe that Paul is saying to these individuals, what a lasting effect upon them, personally as we share the good news i think that you and i will find our joy fulfilled like paul's joy joy that's fulfilled when we are thinking the same way when we are expressing the same love when we are sharing the feelings and we are focusing on the goals of jesus christ and our joy becomes fulfilled there's no joy like that of having the mind of Christ who humbled himself and became obedient to the will of God. Therefore, God exalted him because of his humbleness. So when we look at these instructions, how do they work in our lives today? How can we apply them to our hearts? Um, How can our life be, be different than the person that sits next to you this morning or the person that sits behind you? A healthy fear of God is conducive to a maturing Christian life. And God is a loving, merciful, and patient God. He's a a God of justice. He's a God of judgment. He's a God of wrath as well. And as we work out our salvation, we must not disrespect God. And we must not take the salvation that he has given us for granted. You see, God is the ultimate source. He is the one that I must go to and say, God, is this what you would like me to say? Is this what you would like me to do? Even though I may have a lot of people cheering me on in that particular thought process, is it the right thing to do? We do not want to come under his hand of discipline. Believe me, a father disciplines his son, so God disciplines his children, the scripture says. Now this text concludes by saying, work it out. With the end in mind, basically. That's what it's referring to. Work out our salvation with the end in mind. What is the end? Well, we have people around us that have reached the end. Goldie is one of them. She's gone to be with the Lord. And the end is, is that we may become blameless and pure. That we may become children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. And then you will shine among Them like stars in the sky, the scripture says, as you hold firmly to the word of life. Are you a shining star? You know, that that you and I may shine like the stars in the universe? And I want you to keep in mind that God does not want this little light of mine to shine. What he wants is to shine like the stars. Not a little light, but a big light shine brightly my friend uh, and because many of you know john ashcroft he always tells me he says pastor i want to remind you that everyone wants to go to heaven but no one wants to die to get there and that's a good thought because in the process of getting there how do we conduct our lives do we conduct it as the apostle paul is instructing here You see, for the Christ follower, the end is heaven. But it's also true that in the process of getting there, we need to conduct our lives in a blameless and pure fashion. And that is where we work out our salvation. We go back to that verse that tells us that God's not through with us yet. He continues to work within us. And God did not save us just so we can go to heaven. Now, there's a whole theology about that called destination theology. But God has saved us, so we have this very walk with him. And and, uh, there's very little in the Bible, actually, about going to heaven. And there's so much more on how we should live in the process. It's almost like God is saying that, hey, heaven is a fringe benefit. Heaven is a great benefit. But as we work to that point, we must have a changed life. That we must conduct ourselves in a way that's honorable. And for every one thing that you find in the Bible about heaven, you'll find dozens of things about how we conduct ourselves in the process of getting there. God saves us so we can shine like the stars. God saves us so we are a bright light in the midst of darkness. So that the end is the goal. Just as an athlete sees the end as they go through training and as they, he or she works out every day. The NFL players, football players, the end for them is the Super Bowl. And of course, a couple teams have made it, the Chiefs and the Tampa Bay. But when they start game one, it's just one game at a time. The end is the Super Bowl. When you talk to an Olympic athlete, he or she just talks about the gold. They talk about the gold. The, the, the one training for the Olympics sees himself or herself standing on the podium. They visualize it receiving the gold as the national anthem is being played. That's the goal. That's the ultimate. And as a Christian traveling through every day where the angels watch over us day and night, We should see ourselves as shining like stars in the universe. And how reassuring it is for us to know this morning that God is with us, that God is working in us and through us. And and wouldn't it be nice if everyone would serve the Lord without grumbling, without arguing, without complaining while doing so. That would be the ultimate. The mind of Christ is in each one of us. And because he lives, you and I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, you and I have this great hope of the end, as the Apostle Paul shares with Philippi. And that is something that should energize us, church. It is something that that should cause us to empathize with others Whereupon you and I can exercise our freedom that we have in Jesus Christ to minister, to serve, and to bear one another's burdens, and to do so humbly in the name of Jesus Christ. So this morning, I conclude, therefore, brothers and sisters in Christ, stick with humility and shine like the stars. Shine like the stars and be a bright star because He lives we can face each day. Hallelujah.